Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today we're going verse by verse through the book of John. So turn there in your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike. If you have your Bible this morning, I'd like to invite you to open them to the book of John, chapter 14. John 14. Then going through this book, it's important that we know the Word of God. And um, I know reading the Bible in church is almost a, a, a novel concept anymore, but actually it's where the truth that we all need to live by is found. Let's pray. Father, as we go to your word this morning, we ask that your Holy Spirit would speak to us. Give us your wisdom as we spend this time studying that, God, that we would remember what you teach us. And, Lord, that we have something to hook our hope onto in the days to come. And so we just ask you now that your Holy Spirit would speak to us. Give us your wisdom. And again, God, open our hearts to receive what you have for us from the treasures of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus had just got done demonstrating to the disciples what it meant to be a true follower of his. He girded himself with a towel and he washed his disciples' feet, signifying that if you want to be great in God's kingdom, you'll be a servant. That's really what being a true follower of Christ is about. Now that doesn't mesh well with our society today that says, what are you going to do for me? It seems that it's almost opposite from what the Word of God says, and unfortunately, we find many faith today placating to that idea. You'll never receive or you'll never get your goals fulfilled in your life without receiving Christ. Friends, that's not the gospel. The gospel isn't that God's going to do it my way. It's that I come to the cross and die and say, God, now I'm going to do it your way. You know, I don't know whatever we were before we came to God, but when we come to Christ, it may very well be that God may call us to be a missionary. That that doesn't meet my idea of being the company president or this or that or the other thing. But you know, when we truly come to Christ, we die at the cross, and then God resurrects us into what he wants us to be. So I believe it's so important that we understand that. But what in turn then do we as servants of God get in return? Well, I'm glad you asked that because John 14 talks about this great eternal reward for Christians. This is something that I believe is so important. My mom was a Christian. She uh, had gotten away from the Lord during the time of the Second World War. It wasn't until my sister got extremely sick that she rededicated her life to God. But when she came back to the Lord, she was determined to raise us in God's ways. That's a great thing. We have baby dedications, and in those baby dedications, we are really dedicating ourselves to raising our children in the ways of God. Well, one of the things that my mother made us do was memorize Bible verses. You know, there's a lot of goofy stuff. In fact, you know, you ever heard of American Top 40? Well, they have the American Bottom 40, the songs you hate on the radio. 
And unfortunately, we all know the words to the songs we hate on the radio. Isn't that weird how we can memorize stuff we don't even want to memorize? Well, here is uh, some great verses as an example that my mom made me memorize. I would certainly encourage all of you to perhaps, if you have kids or grandkids, you may uh, reward them by giving them whatever it might take to entice them to remember this. But this will fuse in their heart in the days to come. Because again, friends, tomorrow is uncertain. And, and what I really believe that if we don't have our faith in something solid, Confusion will come in, and confusion always leads to a troubled heart. Just the way it works. If you want to know, the antidote for a troubled heart is faith. Now, one of the things that Jesus here outlines for us in John 14 is don't allow yourself to look at the situation and make your conclusion by it. In fact, Jesus said, don't judge by the appearance of anything, but when you judge, judge a righteous judgment. Well, how does that work then? Well, I've got to be careful in trusting what I see, because what I see cannot necessarily be right. And this is one of the unfortunate things that we find in our world today. Well, this is what my mom made me learn. I I pray that we all learn it as well, because I believe it's so important. In fact, I don't even have to read it. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. He says, in my father's house are many mansions. If it weren't so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you'll be also. Whether I go, you know, in the way you know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. I often wondered why is an example of the many verses that we were taught when we were kids, why did Ma teach us this one? There's a lot of trouble in the world. And Jesus starts off here because he knew in just a few hours after he would be arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, every one of his disciples' faith would be challenged. I guarantee you, moms and dads, there are going to be things that are going to challenge not only your faith, but the faith of your children. The second thing we find here, he says, let not your heart be troubled. There's a lot of things that will trouble our heart. The uncertainty of the future bills not paid, health issues, questions about your employment or your job, places that you're going to go, places you're going to see, the unknown variables that are out in the world. In fact, I was reading a thing not very long ago. It, it, uh, you'll notice that a lot of times before uh, larger cities, they'll have rest areas. And the reason why they have rest areas is they really want people to be directed into these rest areas to do their business before they get to town to overload the McDonald's and all the other fast food restaurants in their bathrooms. Now, I know it sounds crazy, but it beca- the, the article goes on to say it has become a number one target place for hoodlums to take advantage of travelers. And so you're most vulnerable when you're in the bathroom. And I know this is a weird thing to talk about. But you're vulnerable there, and so hoodlums will do that. They see you go into the bathroom. They can either follow you in or go and look and see if you left the keys in your car to steal your car or your belongings in your car. 
They said this is a real problem. There's a lot of things that can trouble us in this world. But Jesus said, remain focused. Let not your heart be troubled. Troubled hearts are based in confusion. And so if you find yourself in confusion, many times in my life, when I've been troubled about something, this verse in particular is one of those verses that have brought me hope to keep going. And so he says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Now, there is a lot of cults in the world today that say that Jesus Christ is not God. The Jehovah's Witnesses say that Jesus is nothing more than Michael the Archangel, or the Mormons say that Satan and Jesus are brothers, and as a matter of fact, God had many sons, and they'll quote a verse out of context in the book of Job that the sons of God presented themselves before the Father. Well, that's not what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, you believe in Father, the Father, the relationship you have with God, you can have with me. Jesus here is claiming to be God. One of the things you'll always find that cults have in common is they deny the eternity of hell and they deny that Jesus Christ is God's only Son and God incarnate on this earth. They always have those two incarnate. You know, a lot of times you'll have... Uh, people come to your door, you'll start talking with somebody, and you really don't know what their bottom line is. It's almost like, you know, a multi-marketing scheme where they draw the circles and the pyramid, and, you know, you could be here, but you're down here, and, you know, work your way up the pyramid, and, you know, you got this, you know, this thing going on. I don't always know when I talk to somebody, they start saying, well, you're a Christian. Well, I'm a Christian. Yeah, bro, how are you? And they go, so if you want to just cut to the chase, just say, is Jesus Christ God? Well, no, he's God's son. What do you mean by that? Does that mean he's not equal with God? Well, no, he's not God. Well, that's funny. Jesus said he was. We're going to see that more in just a minute. He said, you believe in the Father the same way, these words in the original language, the same way you believe in the Father, you believe in me. So really, you don't have to listen to their whole spiel. You just have to ask them, do you believe that Jesus Christ is God? And the second one, do you believe in eternal hell? And when they say, no, we believe in annihilation, you're just like a flashbulb. Well, that dates me. I know nobody knows what flashbulbs are anymore. They used to put those in cameras years ago. They had a bunch of fuzzy wire in it. And when you pull the trigger, it went one time. If you didn't have the rest of your film lined up, you just blew about a buck in a, in a flashbulb. Now we have the little ones that charge themselves up. And even your cell phones have those. Well, anyway, the point is, you don't have to listen to everything they say to find out where they're coming from. Again, Annihilation is what many people believe in. But the Bible says the lake of fire which burns forever and ever. Why is it that Jesus gave up all of heaven, being worshipped by the angels, to be come down to this earth and be born in a stinky, dirty manger? No room in the inn. Welcome to the hotel, can't afford you. Such a lovely place, but we're out of space. There's a manger out and back. And so Jesus goes out. And the Bible says he was born in a manger. Now, one of the things that's important as we look at this is that he gave up all the worship of heaven to do this. Why? Well, evidently, this eternal hell is so bad, he didn't want anybody to go there. I think that's really important. Sometimes you don't know what 
the value of something is until you compare it to something else. In fact, somebody said one time, unless you can measure something, you can't improve it. I thought that was an interesting statement. Well, unless we can measure where we're at spiritually, we'll never be able to improve where we're at. Well, as we look at this, he says, you believe in God, believe also in me. Verse 2, in my father's house are many mansions. Now, um, in my father's house. Now, some of your Bibles say the word rooms, but that's not really accurate either. It's like almost turns into the, uh, some kind of a condominium. But it's not. Actually, the Bible says there's an eternal place for us that God's prepared that's just right. I like that. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. Many mansions. Notice it doesn't say tents, which would in some way lead us to the idea that it's temporal, but it is eternal. And he says, I have gone to prepare a place for you. Now, I like that. He says, if it weren't so, I would have told you. Why is that? Because God wants you to know you have an eternal reward. We all have a place where we're going, where we belong. Somebody said one time to me, they said, as a Christian, I just don't feel like I belong here. You're very right. That's very true. And the day that you accept Christ as your Savior, you effectively remove your residence from this earth and transfer it to heaven. Though I still, you still have to be here, this is not our home. This is temporary. And by the way, if you're going through a trial or an issue in your life, if you're a Christian, this is as worst as it ever gets. Because God's prepared a place for us in heaven. If you're not a Christian... This is something to think about. This is as good as it ever gets, this life. Well, he says, I go to prepare a place for you. A place for you. And by the way, he didn't say this when Judas Iscariot was in the room. Remember just a few verses back, uh, Judas got up and left the room to go betray the whereabouts that Jesus would be later on that evening. So there were things that Jesus could say to those that were truly his and things that he could say that he couldn't say to those that weren't. He couldn't say to Judas Iscariot, I've gone to in my father's house. I prepared a place for you because Judas wasn't going. He had to wait till Judas left the room. Do you realize that God has a message for you and me that's not for everybody? That's why the Bible doesn't make sense to people that are in the world. That's why the Bible doesn't connect with people who don't know who he is. And so he says, I go to prepare a place for you. Now, a lot of times I've read about this and heard the the adage, God made this entire world in six days and he rested on the seventh. It's pretty awesome. You look at the snow-capped mountains, you look at the leaves on the tree, and even that, we see the world in a fallen state, but because before the flood, the world was much different than it is now. And it's still pretty awesome. I mean, even as cold as it is outside at, what, nine above zero, people in southern Arizona are listening going, why does anybody live here? Sometimes we all wonder that. Broken ice floor, looks like you're driving across glass, God's prepared a place for us in a perfect place. I like that. And when we look at this, it's not just any place. It's the right place 
that's with him. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. If God made this world in six days in its beauty, even in a fallen state, he's been working on our home for over 2,000 years. It's going to be a pretty nice place. I like that. And if I go to prepare a place for you, and he did, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. We never have to be apart from God again. I like that about the way the Lord works. He's prepared a place for us, and he's prepared a place for us with him. Now, I've often had the question asked me, comes up probably almost once a week on Every Man and Answer, can a Christian lose their salvation? Well, I've, I've always told people, I don't believe you ever lose your salvation. If I lose my car keys, I haven't got the foggiest where they're at. If I leave my car keys on the table, I know where they're at. I've just chosen not to pick them up. So I don't believe we ever lose our salvation in that I get up in the morning going, whoa, I wonder where God went. No, I don't think we have that issue. But I do believe that because God still gives us what's called moral free agency or the ability to choose, I believe that we can walk away from the Lord. Now, whether that is unto death and eternal separation from God, I'm not the judge there. I think I have trouble with anybody that tries to be in that position. But certainly we have enough Bible verses in the Bible, whether it be Jesus addressing the churches in Revelations chapters 2 and chapter 3, the seven churches, compelling them to repent, or they could get their name blotted out of the book of life. He wasn't addressing, he wasn't addressing the local smoke shop or uh, the local bar. He was addressing churches that were called by his name. I think I need to be very careful to give anyone a false sense of security that says, well, after putting Jesus in your pocket, live like the devil because you're still going to heaven. And the Bible doesn't teach that. The second thing that causes a great issue is this. If I don't want to be around God's people here on this earth, if I don't really want to have that much to do with Jesus, though at one time I claimed I walked with him, why would I want to be with him through eternity? Let's read this verse again. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, you may be also. Well, isn't that the whole idea of backsliding is to try your best to get out of God's presence? So if I don't want to be in God's presence for eternity... If I don't want to be in God's presence here, why would I want to be that way and locked into a place in his home? You know, in other words, I can't slip out the back, Jack, do my own thing, but I, I, I'm actually committed to being with him. Well, I don't want to be with him. I want to party down. I want to do my own thing. Well, that's the problem. See, in other words, a lot of times our mentality or little cliches that we will say when you really examine it under Scripture don't make sense. If I don't want to be around God's people on this earth, though I might call myself a Christian or a backslidden Christian or a nominal Christian or whatever name you want to lay on it, if I don't want to be around God's people here on this earth, if I don't want to be around the Word of God, the Bible, and that's God's voice. 
why would I want to do that forever in heaven? You see, that's why I believe Jesus said you must be born again. Not options like, you know, um, uh, 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 you know, a satellite radio in your new car, that kind of an option, but that I have to really be committed saying, God, this is what I want for my life. So he says that where I am, there you'll be also. You never have to worry about wandering in heaven. You know, I, I often wonder, you think about this for a minute, but people say, well, what are we going to do in heaven all for eternity? That's going to be boring. You know, sit around some cloud eating angel's food cake and, uh, you know, uh, stay away from that cloud. That's Mick Jaggers. And, and, and you know, what are we going to be doing in heaven? Well, when you stop to think about it, the Bible says throughout all of eternity, he's going to show us his greatness. What's inside the atom? What's beyond the stars? What's in the mind of God that even created what we know and how much more creativity is he capable of? You stop to look at some of the creations that God has made, and it's amazing. Whether, it, whether it's how the atom works, you know, and, and some of the creatures that God makes are so unbelievable, which are an absolute anomaly for the evolutionists. You know one of the greatest animals they have a problem with in evolutionary uh, teaching? The platypus. It's like when God got down to the end of building animals, he said, I don't know what we got left over here, but let's make something. It's got a duck bill. It's got claws like a, like a beaver. It's, it's one of the strangest animals, and they cannot possibly think whatever could have evolved to make this thing or whatever it became. So God's mind is what we're going to get to know forever. Somebody, the Jewish people say that, the rabbis say when Messiah comes, even the space between the letters will mean something. You say, well, what does that mean? Well, I'll give you one you can think about for you guys that study the Bible. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They wouldn't bow down and worship the golden statue. Nebuchadnezzar became furious, and he threw the children of Israel into the fiery furnace. And why he threw them in there, he says even, he says there's a fourth in there like the Son of God or the Son of Man. But that's not the question. Who else was carried away captive to Babylon with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Daniel. Where was Daniel when this whole thing was going on with the golden statue? The Bible doesn't tell us. It's silent. Was Daniel away on some diplomatic mission? Was Daniel exempt from having to worship the golden statue? Was Daniel uh, uh, simply silent? The Bible doesn't tell us. But someday we're going to know. See, even the space between the letters will mean something. Thank you for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com slash it's time. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thank you for listening and tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.